but it was called the sacred science and I'm massively into science and I'd say I'm less woo-woo but I definitely have woo-woo too mate. What is my body feeling? How can my body inform my mind rather than my mind informing my body? If I'm constantly making decisions from my mind and I'm completely disembodied, mm. how is that my truth? How is that my instinct? How is that my real deep knowing of how to move forward? And today I am delighted to introduce you to somebody that I'm proud to call my friend, um, Kavita Golia. She is a trans transformational and embodiment coach and her mission is to really help people to get out of their heads connect with their bodies and to move in their lives through embodied decisions so I'm really excited about this conversation because I think it's one that not many people are having actually and probably gonna just put this out here I call Kat, Kavita Cat <laughs> outside of the podcast, so I'm going to try and call her Kavita through this, but I may flip between, um, incidentally, between Cat and Kavita. So thank you for being here. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm really good, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. I'm so happy to have you here as well. I'm really excited to share your story because, I mean, your story's quite unconventional, isn't it? You're quite a... <laughs> I would say wild women, like you love to travel, you love to dance, you love to do so many different things. And I think that is really expressed through how you got into embodiment. You know, it started in Thailand, right? Do you want to tell people a bit about how your your journey started in Thailand with your 200 hour training? Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, definitely unconventional is um, spot on. (laughs) And um, yeah, it was strange actually, because when I went to Thailand, I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. And everyone, I just started a wedding planning business that um, kind of realized very quickly wasn't my path. And there was just something in me. I don't even know what it was. I was just like, I feel like I need to go on this 200 hours. And I, I really thought it had nothing to do with spirituality. I didn't understand how it was to do with embodiment or I was like, how is doing yoga spiritual? Like, that's how naive I was. Um but I liked fitness and stuff. So I thought, oh, I'll just go to Thailand, do this fitness retreat. Total wrong, totally wrong there. And um, I just followed my instinct. And yeah, when I got there, they were like, you know, you're going to be connected to your body. You're going to, it's going to be a spiritual journey. And I was kind of like, mm, yeah, I don't really understand how. But yeah, it was the beginning of a very intense and amazing seven-year journey, really. It's mad. And when you say spiritual journey, is it something, have you always been spiritual? Have you, do you feel like you've always come from a place of embodiment or is this something that you learned through those seven years? Because I know you also did a huge master's degree, right, in transpersonal psychology. Um, so for people that maybe don't know what transpersonal psychology is, it's kind of, I guess, encompassing all of consciousness, spirituality and psychology from a more, dare I say, woo-woo <laughs> perspective you know rather than the kind of more western clinical psychology model it's more around the kind of like consciousness and spiritual side of psychology right is that right or am I uh, do you know what? it's funny you said that actually because I'd say it meets the transpersonal so you have psychology which, which was actually my first degree because I love people I love the mind I love how people work and um that's where I came from initially but transpersonal is basically everything outside the body so everything from you do from meditation right. to consciousness to 
um, even like spiritual practices. So, but it was called the sacred science and I'm massively into science. And I'd say I'm less woo-woo, but I definitely have woo-woo to me. So I was like, okay, so when I talk about something like meditation or talk about spirituality or talk about psychedelics or anything like that, how can I bring the scientific evidence to that? So consciousness mm. would be quantum theory. Meditation would be how does it work on the brain? Because my, I am quite scientific. So it's, yeah, bringing the science to the woo-woo. Yeah. I think it's there's that new book it's on my reading list actually that I can't wait to to listen to slash read is um why woo woo works I'm trying to trying to remember the the author's name now he did loads of stuff around kindness what's his name is it David Ham I'm probably going to get this wrong um I think it's David Hamilton I'll put a correction in the in the show notes if I get that wrong but um I think you know he's doing a similar thing like why why does this stuff work? Why do so many people kind of lean on on spirituality, especially when they have mental health issues, have had a breakdown, et cetera, et cetera, like similar to my story? You know, I wasn't spiritual yeah. at all. And now I'd say that I am, but in a similar way to you, I think. I don't, I'm not like here for QAnon and 5D. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I just want to yeah. have, <laughs> just want to yeah. have like good mental health and, and feel good about myself and feel connected. So, for the listeners, for people listening to this who may be just thinking, what the hell is embodiment? How do you describe embodiment? And, you know, like, how, how can people understand a bit more about what that is? Because I think yeah. it's quite a new term um, for a lot of people anyway. Yeah, and, it's, and it is a hard thing to describe as well, and it's hard to explain. But I'd say because everyone thinks embodiment, but we, we're in a body. How embodied can I be? I'm literally in it. Like, what does it even mean? You know, I walk around in my body and everything. I can't be anymore in my body. But I think after years of spending my life disembodied, i.e. through drugs, through alcohol, through all the things you do to disconnect from it, I now, I think my first realization of what well not really conscious realization but looking back in retrospect my first realization of embodiment was that mind connection to the body so say for example I, I like to explain it a little bit like dancing um so when you're dancing a lot of the time you think you're embodied right you're at a rave you're like oh I'm completely embodied but really you're dancing to the tune okay so really it's the music that is informing how your body moves so it's basically like going through the mind or whatever you do like I'm going to go and play this you're basically using your mind to inform everything that you do but if we can switch it around more and be body informed and start listening to how so if you go dancing you don't even have to hear the music it's how your body feels how is my how does my body want me to move what is my body feeling how can my body inform my mind rather than my mind informing my body and it takes you know it's really hard because we're we're born to think with you know it's always like I think therefore I am you know and Mm. it's really about becoming and in my feminine embodiment training it's really about starting to become become really intimate with internal felt senses yeah so and you have to start it's a practice of really starting to listen to what your body's telling you and 
we ignore it you know we we just we drink we take drugs we you know have sex we we all the things we do to disembody to make how much just cut off but it's sort of getting reducing that noise and increasing the noise of the body because it's so so powerful and I think the time I realized how powerful the body was was in my first breathwork training where <laughs> where my I my mind told me I went to go and sort this out or that I think I actually spoke, said on the first um lesson the first class is why are you here and I said I want to learn to speak my truth that's what I'm here for my body was like you're not here for that at all you're here for something completely different that happened 20 years ago which I completely thought I was fine about mm. but my body spoke volumes that it's never that it was absolutely crazy and that's when I started thinking oh wow okay the body is yeah and I I think this is something that I think about quite a lot because I wouldn't even say that I am fully embodied now I'm working on it and I've and I think I've had snippets of it where I've gone oh yeah I do feel really embodied but I think I tend to dissociate quite a lot still um and I think a lot of this stuff like what you mentioned about people using sex and drugs and alcohol and just, you know, different types of distraction to come out of the body. But I think we're not actually taught how to listen to the language of the body. And actually not even that we're not taught how to listen to the language of the body, but often we are actively taught to ignore it. So for example, if you are at school and you're a little kid and you really need the toilet, you have to wait until break time. So what does that teach you? That teaches you to ignore the the signal of your body that you need to go to the bathroom. If you are, um, generally, this happens to most kids, right? You've fallen over at some point, you've grazed your knee, you've hurt yourself, and some well-meaning, usually, hopefully, primary caregiver picks you up and says, oh, come on, that didn't hurt. And so then you think, oh, I thought it did hurt, but they're an adult and they must know better than me, so maybe that didn't hurt. Then you go through heartbreak and different things and people say, oh, it's not that bad, you'll get over it, it's just puppy love, but your heart's like broken. Then, you know, there's so many examples through life, even down to signals that the body gives us for hunger, signals that the body gives us for sleep, signals that the body gives us for, you know, tiredness, for... Um, all these different signals that we get that literally we're actively taught to ignore or that what we think about our body is incorrect. That didn't hurt. You don't feel that way. Stop crying. It's not that, you know, you're just doing it for attention. All these kinds of things, these like programming that we're fed, I think prevents us from being disembodied. And then God forbid, on top of that, you've had major traumas like a lot of us have experienced um, myself included, and that's going to dissociate you from your body even more. So it's how do you come, what kind of practices can we use, um, I guess, to bring ourselves back into our body? What's been your biggest learning around kind of embodiment and coming back into the body? Yeah, and before I ask that question, actually, I'm going to mention something that you said about the pain in the body. And I know mm. you've read the book and the body keeps the score. Oh, yeah. Wow. And the amazing research they did with people with heartbreak and how they gave people Tylenol, which reduced the pain of heartbreak, actual giving painkillers yeah. that reduce the pain of heartbreak. And if that isn't telling you how emotions can 
how it's a physical thing in the body. I mean, I, I found that fascinating. Yeah. Me on that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that bit in the book, actually. And I, and that's just reminded me of something that I read more recently that made me uh, on this same topic, right, about how period pain, they've measured period pain. And for some women, period pain is as painful as having a heart attack. And that's a similar wow. thing, right? And that's a similar thing where we're told, I'll suck it up, get on with it. Periods are always painful, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mate, if you were having a heart attack pain for seven days and you're just getting up, going to work, carrying <laughs> on, do you know what I mean? It's like we're just taught, taught consistently yeah. to just ignore the, ignore the body. Yeah. The body's basically going, ow, help. Yeah. And we're like, Tylenol painkiller codeine you know whatever it is and off we go carry on you know absolutely it's it's insane I mean I think that with I think since seeing my feminine embodiment coaching I've got a very different view on it and a deeper view on that side I do I think for the general public I mean anything from meditation to breath work really powerful way of coming into the present and I think one for me personally <clears throat> excuse me is one of the most powerful because through your breath is the time that you can be your most present if when mm. you're thinking about your breath and you're only thinking about your breath it does really bring you to the present moment and I yeah. think that's a really good way of embodying um even through movement you know and through you know open movement not when you're and this is why, for me, and the yoga is amazing, it brought me to this place, and, you know, I, I thank yoga for that so much. But for me, I, I'm more sort of leaning towards more embodied yoga, where I'm not told to go in one position, or because I don't feel that's embodied, because I'm still coming from a mind place of, and it's great for mind-body connection and the breath, but I just think something, you know, where it's much more free, and like dancing, you know, kind of like excessive dancing is a bit more free if you try not to dance to the music. Um, but as far as the feminine body goes, and there's practices that we do like primal, primal feminine embodiment, where you will do really slow, 20, from 10 to 20 minutes, 40 minutes of movement, you'll start on your hands and your knees, and you just start to become sensitive. And say, for example, you're starting to feel a bit impatient or you're starting to feel a bit angry or oh, I wish this was over. So rather than coming out of your mind, you might say to yourself, okay, how does my body want to feel move in that frustration? How does my body want to move in that, you know, and how do, if you're feeling upset, how does my body feel? How do I embody that? And you might close up or if you feel amazed, you might open up and they do this in you know corporate stuff as well with the whole stance of the body right the power power posing power posing because when we put our bodies into that positions it can inform the mind and that's Mm. you know perfect example in a in quite a big you know corporate way it's been TED talks on it and stuff yeah I've done stuff like that in the in the membership as well around like I call it moaning minis where you create your current story, whatever the negative yeah. story is about self, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, you know, whatever it is. And then you create whatever the opposite is. So however you want to feel, right? And then what you do is you act that out. Yeah. So you kind of, you you really shrink your body down. How do you feel when you feel disempowered and like I'm not good enough and like, you know, and you kind of maybe you're looking up a little bit from a downward position and 
and then you may be like oh, I'm not good enough nobody likes yeah. me this is awful da, da, da. and then you flip it and you stand in a way where you feel really empowered really confident and you're like I, I am good enough I love and accept myself and, and then you flip it and it helps to reprogram you know the yeah. body mind which is exactly Absolutely. similar things exactly. right it's so powerful it's really powerful yeah. stuff yeah and this stuff on exactly what you're saying this stuff on um like boundaries where you might have a boundary that's not particularly healthy and how does that make you feel how's that boundary make you feel now how do you want this to feel and exactly what you said mm. I want this to feel like this and it really is amazing sometimes we don't feel we don't realize how something's making us feel until we say to someone okay let's have a pose of how you're feeling you might be like oh my god that's how it's making me feel do I and it's like do you want to spend your life walking around like that and you're like no I don't want to um, of I, why would I want to walk around like that how do you want to walk around I want to walk around like this and then yeah and it's amazing it is you're right amazing the, the impact it can have on how we feel what advice would you give to a younger Kavita if you could go <laughs> back and and meet a younger you what advice would you give to her Oh, wow. I don't know. I've never even thought, um, what advice? They spend so much money. Think <laughs> 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 of the future. That, I mean, it's not even about embodiment, to be honest, but like, it's, you know, you, and I'd have to, if I'm completely honest, without thinking what I should say or anything, I'd probably just say, you know, life isn't forever, you know, and you think when you're younger, you think when you're 20, you're literally going to live forever, it never goes to end, and then you start thinking, oh, if I thought about this when I was a bit younger, if I started doing this when I was like a bit younger, and I would, I'd, I'd just say, you know, have all the fun, do all of that, but also build, you know, and also learn, and because I spent a lot of my young years basically partying 24-7, and I'm not saying don't party, and I still would party just as much, I wouldn't take any of that back for an experience or the crazy life that I've had. But I would also, you know, learn. But I think that I think society's changed since I was that old. You know, mm-hmm. ten year olds now are like all sort of social media, business accounts, everything is kind of it. It has changed, and no one was really doing that when I was younger. And there's so much now. Like I was thinking about this similarly because you know. I used to be horrendous with my finances um, and just, yeah, I was not financially savvy at all. And now I'm looking at young people and I'm thinking, I'm actually really excited about some of the stuff that's happening with social media and the fact that you can invest now and that you know, because when we were young, it was like, if you wanted to invest, you had to go and find a financial advisor, you had to pay a financial advisor, you had to, you know, have... I don't know probably I'm guessing I don't I don't know because I never did it but I imagine somewhere in the region of like five to ten thousand pounds to actually invest or something like that and now with you know and I'm not obviously this is not financial advice (laughs) (laughs) before anyone takes any of this as financial advice I'm not obviously an investment advisor um but you know you, you can with small amounts of money invest in tracker funds and all kinds of things cryptocurrencies whatever from your phone you can set up yeah. a pension from your phone Amazing. like it's I think younger people coming through are going to be so much more financially literate than we were and they've got so much more option and opportunity to do that because we didn't you know yeah. um so whether they all take it or not I don't know it's very easy to look back over 
you know, a couple of decades and go, oh, that's what I should have done. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have seen Facebook. Well, thank God social media wasn't around when we were that old. That's all I can say. I think... <laughs> I I was like, oh God, I think I would have been like a really awful influencer. Like there's this girl, I can't remember her name. She's got about, I don't know, millions and millions and millions of followers. And all she does is go to raves in Berlin. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> and I was like, thing. I think I might have been the Hastings version of that girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that social media with my personality it would have, it's like, oh yeah, I would have done this and this and this, but maybe not. I might oh have God, it would have been grim. <laughs> I still occasionally like cringe so bad, you know, like when um, things come up on like your memory from 12 years ago or whatever and you oh, think, yeah. oh my God, what was I saying? Like, it's yeah, so embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it, and it's, it, it's, yeah, it has totally changed. I think, you know, it's, it's insane. But social media can also, I know there's so many bad things, the bad side of social media, but I think I follow so many amazing inspirational people. But when I look at my social media, I'm actually inspired every morning, mm. every single morning, because I follow all the people who inspire me and who are quite, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say really like saying positive because that's what I'm saying all the time, you know, but like yeah. real and authentic and positive in the way that they want to do good things every day and inspire and, you know, do things that make them feel better. Yeah. Um, so, and also really honest, because it's not always, you know, sunshine and rainbows every day. No, it really isn't. But, and I think that's something that, I don't know, that's something that the wellbeing industry, I think, doesn't address very well. Mm. I think there's a lot of bypassing of emotion, you know, and I think breathwork very much stops you <laughs> from being able to do that. That's why I love it. Work. You can't bypass it, can you? I'm doing no. a course at the moment. I'm in week, f- coming into week five of a six-week breathwork course. And, um, hey, so, do you know what? It's actually so annoying. Breathwork's annoying, in my opinion, because certain things that I thought I'd totally dealt with, that, to be honest yeah. with you, I have done more therapy on than I even care to mention because I feel like, oh my God, body, brain, I get frustrated with myself. I'm like, get over it. <laughs> get over it now. Get it. And then you do breath yeah. work and you go, I'm not over it. But here's another aspect. Here's another layer. And, you know, you lay there in your fear and your tears and your, you know, anger. I had so much just rage come out the other week. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, you might see my post about it. I, I was over my, um, I've got this like, you know, those sort of like round meditation bolsters that are full of like, I don't know if it's like beans or yeah. some kind yeah. of grain or something. So they're quite heavy. I was over that bolster like, mate, I thought I was Mike Tyson or something. I was literally over that bolster. just pun- I've never punched something so hard in my life, I don't think. And I was just screaming, ah! <laughs> <laughs> punching this bolster. And then I was like, wow, where the hell did that come from? You know, and, I, and then and then you just go back to the breath. Do you know what I mean? It's just so funny how yeah, it comes yeah, out. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you're just like, okay. <sighs> you know, and then you're like, okay, I don't know what that was about. I'm not going to judge myself. Let it go. Everything's yeah, cool. Yeah. But it's so fascinating, I think, how breath work just connects you in that way that there's nowhere to hide. You can't intellectualise yourself out of it. You can't talk your way around it. You can't bypass. It's like, here's what you're feeling. Yeah. 
yeah. and you either hold your breath because you don't want to process it and you can't focus do you know like and that happens to me sometimes too Absolutely. or you just breathe through it and it comes and you're like oh my god my neighbors must think I'm mental yeah absolutely. well that's a perfect example of what you just said you've been through loads of therapy and I'm not I mean therapy is amazing and it's helped mm. so many people so I'm not saying therapies a therapy 100% has its place but at the same time it's mind you know it's still going from the mind you know yeah you can't solve the problems in the same place it's kind of you, your mind's working at that level, but the body's like, yeah, okay, that was the mind. You still got it all in the body, mate, you know? Yeah. So you've got, it's just, it's just completely different places. It's coming from, it's so ingrained. It's, you know, we've pushed it down and down and down and down. So it takes a while for it to come back up and it's not, it can feel like it's never ending. Yeah. And I think there you tends know. to be this kind of, let's make healing Instagrammable. You know, you don't want to Instagram some of the stuff in the breath work. So. <laughs> hey, I don't want to like get sectioned. <laughs> <laughs> I scream like an absolute. I don't think on my breath work because I held it back a lot and my mm. mind, like, and I know that I do it in breath work because the tutor always says you're in your head, you're in your, and I fall asleep and stuff. And I know they're like, subconsciously wow. fall asleep, you don't want to do it. Um, and I've, they've been like, no, wake up, wake up, like, because I've just been... That's so interesting. Mm. That's almost like your body. But this is a thing as well, right? So, uh, somebody said to me the other day, and I was like, this is so true. Um, they said that they were in therapy and they were talking to the therapist and they said, oh, I've been sabotaging myself. Um, and they explained the way they'd been sabotaging themselves. And their therapist said to them, you're not sabotaging yourself. You're, it's not self-sabotage, it's self-protection. And I think that is definitely something where the body does and the mind both have patterns of trying to protect us, right? And that makes perfect sense that you're like, fall asleep. That way you don't have to experience it. Like, yeah. it's almost like a, um, I don't know, like a shut off button, like a safety button or something like, okay, that's yeah. enough now. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It, And this is the thing with a lot of these practices, you know, it can be super intense doing breath work. But and the same with gong, actually, I always when when we're doing sound sessions, I always say to people, you know, trust your body and trust your mind, because if you weren't ready, it's not always pleasant. Right. Like, do I enjoy breath work? Not really. Do I enjoy mm. how I feel afterwards? Hell, yes. When I, I feel so free and well, I'm not always directly afterwards. Sometimes I cry for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the next day or whatever and yeah. um, once it's processed it's processed and then it's it, it's gone you know and actually trust your mind trust your body exactly that right you fall asleep because your body and your mind are like okay not today and it's like we don't trust ourselves enough to know that okay if it comes up we're ready the body and the mind are like okay let's go there let's do this but if we're not ready then generally a, a shut off mechanism will happen we'll get distracted like if I'm tapping with my therapist I often start looking at my plants oh that one's got yeah. a good leaf or this one needs watering and I'm like oh we're we're getting to the good stuff because I'm getting distracted my mind's trying to take me yeah. away from like what I'm doing you know and so I think yeah it's really um powerful when you can come back to the body and trust what your body's telling you and trust yeah. where that's coming from so I would, I would love to know, what do you wish that you'd known about like embodiment before, and breathwork, I guess, before you kind of knew anything about it? Like knowing um, what you know now. I wish I was more aware. Um, 
because obviously my first experience of any embodiment was my first yoga training uh, mm. to be honest I really I do know now that I was completely disembodied um and I do wish that I learned more about it when I was younger about because I think once you can make decisions because if you're just like with what I do really with the coaching like if I'm constantly making decisions from my mind and I'm completely disembodied mm. how is that my truth how is that my instinct how is that my real deep knowing of how to move forward when mm. it's always coming from the stories and patterns and everything in my mind so I feel the reason why I didn't make these decisions when I was younger because you know it's all it was all up here which most of the time I was numbing so really I was generally all numb so how would I know my direction and you know if of course I was lost because I had no I had no sort of intimacy with my internal felt senses so I Mm. do wish that I'd known a little bit more about following how my body feels because I think that would have led me sooner I love what you just said there about intimacy with self that's really like really really beautiful way of putting it I feel yeah that really just gave me a little Ah. (laughs) little warm little warm heart flutter then that's such a nice way of putting it isn't it because it is that it's about building that intimate relationship with yourself where you know you do trust yourself you do trust how you feel you do understand your feelings because I think for a lot of people as well and I include myself in this and I'm one of those people for years I used to say I don't get angry I don't get angry really (laughs) you do you don't feel anger you don't recognize anger but you definitely get angry you know and it took me a really long time and I remember literally being in therapy and my therapist was asking me and I was quite new to therapy this is quite a few years ago and she, she was asking me well what's what's that what's that bringing up for you what's that feeling and I was like, I don't know. And we were talking. It was so, like, now I look back, I'm like, it was so obviously anger because it was to do with a boundary issue, some, something that somebody had done to me that really wasn't okay, you know, with me. And she's like, well, so so how does that make you feel? What, what does it make you want to do? You know, if you were free and you could do whatever you wanted without judgment or whatever. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. It took me ages until eventually I was like, I think I'm, like, pissed off. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit annoyed, not angry, but slightly. I, like, yeah. I think I'm pissed off, and she was like, "Okay, what's pissed off?" And I was like, "I don't." Know. And it took me ages to like connect all these dots. It was probably like half a therapy session. I'm like, "Wow, it took me like cost me like hundred yeah. quid to work out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was feeling angry, you know. And it's it's really fascinating when you can actually start to trust your feelings. And I always like to say, feelings are the language of the body. You know, and they're not yeah, they're not good or bad. They don't make us good or bad. Sometimes the way we express an emotion or a feeling can cause harm and that's not helpful. But yeah. the actual emotional feeling itself is never like good or bad. You know, you're not unlovable or bad if you're angry or sad or frustrated or envious or bitter or um, disgusted. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. your body telling you somebody crossed your boundary. You're experiencing some some kind of loss at the moment. You're you're disconnected. You're feeling judgment mm. of somebody else, or you're feeling judged. So it's like the amount of information that we can garner 
just from their feelings. And if we've got that space that gets built between meditation and other practices, journaling, whatever, that self-awareness space where we can see that emotion for what it is, take the knowledge, oh, okay, I'm angry. That means somebody's crossed my boundary or that means something's in my way. What does that mean for me? How can I express that to somebody without, you know, punching them in the face? <laughs> you know, we don't have to punch someone in the face. You could just say, hey, look, when you did that thing, or when you said that thing, that was a real you really crossed my boundary there. That actually really upset me. Do you think there's a different way that we might be able to interact next time that we do that? Or, you know, like there's ways that we can actually use this information to move through life in such a more balanced and simple and less chaotic manner, you know? Yeah, it is quite cultured as well, the whole embodiment thing as well, how we've been taught to embody and what we're allowed to express and mm. um, even from you know even from working you've got like more masculine ways of embodying which is more capitalist you've got more female ways of embodying so there is different um sort of shades of that when it comes through how we, we can so we might not be able to express anger in a certain um mm. culture or so it is also this real deep ingrained um sort of ways that people that individuals they can't really embody due to their cultural influences as well which is really yeah. a whole another story whole, <laughs> I was going to say ah it's annoying we've got into that a bit now I mean I mean on that just briefly do you want to I don't know just kind of elaborate on that just slightly because I think that's a really interesting point yeah because it's basically we could talk about embodiment it, you know you've got generational ways of um, like say for example even um, when it comes to periods and I had this discussion with um, another lady I'll explain really quickly um, but and I, I say period things because I remember when I was younger um, you know it was kind of like oh don't your tampons on the floor sort of thing and like someone might see them like that shame around it oh yeah and that was like a cool and, and I know that was a time thing a cultural thing and I even now I'm so open-minded one of the most open-minded people you will meet Yes, I still have that in me, like, oh, God, like, take the tampons off the side, like, that kind of, a bit of shame around it still, but that becomes from, you know, generational, and what my mum used to say to me, which, you know, mm. is generational with her, so I can't really embody the freedom around cycle or menstruation, like, kind of, because it's what sort of been, so yeah. that's one tiny example yeah. of, of, um, you know, I mean, we've all done it, haven't we? Slipping a tampon up your sleeve and hoping no one sees yeah. it while you walk to the bathroom. Or like when you've had to go to the bathroom, then come out, go and borrow a tampon off someone and go back in and you think, oh God, people are going to think there's something wrong with me that I'm going yeah, to the toilet so many now, times. It's like... Yeah, even now I'm like, and I'm like, what the hell? Why am I even doing that? But I've embodied yeah. that shame because mm. of my external factors. So we do, we embody... Our, our upbringing as well and what we can um sort of express as well uh, so yeah yeah that's, that's more so an example such a good point so is there anything before we head off into into the day <laughs> is there anything I should have asked you but I didn't or anything you want to share that maybe hasn't come up um not nothing that would probably get not start a long conversation. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the main thing I want to say is, you know, there's lots of different ways 
of embodying. And I think the first step for anyone who's just like, because it's, it's a real, real practice, is to, if you, there's one thing I should say to do is even take five, 10 minutes with yourself with music, but try not to let the music inform you and just start to become intimate with how your body wants you to move and what you're feeling in your body and the little threads, we call it threads of tension. You've always got a little thread of tension and then starting to notice those little things and then seeing where it feels, where you feel them in your body and that's just a really nice way to start to become more into the internal landscape and um, that's a tip today. <laughs> Love it, that's amazing. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you Thank so much you. for coming on. How Thank do people so find you if they want to find out more about you and your work and female embodiment and coaching? How do they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, so my website is www.savitagolia.com and I'm on Instagram, it's like at cat underscore golia and most of my stuff's on there. Um, yeah, and I've also got checking out and stuff. So yeah, I'll be out, out and about a bit more. Fantastic. <laughs> so, I can't yeah, wait to hear your podcast as well. And um, I'll put all the links below as normal. Great. Thank you all so much for listening. It has been my pleasure to be Thank here you. with you today. And I will see you all again very soon. Much love.